biggest baubles we could find and there's no rumour to the suggestion that the old golden eagle has been blown up. Uh, it'll be back soon. Anyway, we're going to begin with a wonderful carol, Joy to the World. Let's stand and let's sing. take a seat and I'll lead us in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you brought each one of us here this morning and as we gather in the name of your Son Jesus Christ, help us express our thanks and praise as we hear your word, as we sing of your glory, as we pray to you and as we seek to encourage one another. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Well, a very warm welcome uh, to you uh, this morning, both those of you who are in the building here and those of you who are joining us online. It's great to see you all here. Uh, if you're a guest with us, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the ministers here, and we're really glad to have you joining us here this morning at St Matthew's. We've just got this morning and uh, next Sunday to wrap up the, the wonderful series that we've been having of listening to Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount where he turns the world upside down as he announces the coming of his kingdom and what it's going to look like to follow him. And uh, this morning, our senior minister, Bruce, will be speaking from chapters 6 and 7, where we're listening to Jesus and what he's got to say about how to pray and, importantly, how not to pray. Uh, how to give to others and how not to give to others. About how to fast and how not to fast such helpful, helpful and challenging teaching, which really goes right to the heart of our relationship with God and with others. So that's something wonderful to be looking forward to this morning. Uh, all sorts of other good things we'll be sharing together in the Lord's Supper a little later in the service. Uh, right now, we've got a chance to say what it is that we believe about God's goodness 
and God's greatness. So please join me as we, we say together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It was time to hear from Christmas Stew, and after that, our warden, Tim Holloway, will be giving, an, uh, giving us an update on the, the, fin the finances of the church. Till Christmas, so it's Christmas stew back again to give you all the latest about Christmas at St Matthew's. On Christmas Eve, for all the families out there, we're running two special family services at 3 and 4.30 p.m. We've got some big things lined up for a big Christmas, and we're going to find out why the story of Christmas is the biggest and best news for all of us. Come along, enjoy the show, and bring your loud singing voices along to sing to some great carols. Our 4.30 p.m. service will be live-streamed on our YouTube channel, and it will have an overflow space on site. Later that night, we have evening carols running at 7, 9, and 11 p.m. Dave and the band will be playing aloud as we sing through your favorite carols. Of course, it sounds better with you singing along, so come ready with your voice to join in. We'll also hear a Christmas message at these services, and our 9 p.m. service will also be live streamed and have an overflow space. On Christmas Day, we'll have our traditional Christmas service with communion at 8 a.m as well as our contemporary service at 10 a.m. Those services won't be live streamed, so you'll need to come down to the church to join in on the action. Now, to let our community know about our Christmas services, we've got thousands of flyers like this that we need your help getting out there. We need one of these in every letterbox in Manly so that everyone has the chance to hear the wonderful news of Jesus this Christmas. There are packs ready to go at the back of the church today. We'd love if you could grab one or even more and make your morning walk really count this week. A reminder that we're running our Christmas hamper program again this year. We've got hampers packed and ready to give out to those in our community who are most in need. And you can give towards this program online and donations are tax deductible. Well, based on the events that we've already had at St. Matt's this year, we're anticipating a full house at most of our Christmas services. And that means there's plenty to do and we need more than just Christmas Stevie on the drums. We need help doing things like welcoming our community into our spaces, ushering people to their seats, looking after prams, 
running sound and visuals at one of our seven services. And we even need some keen-eyed individuals to ensure that the camels carrying our magi up and down the Corso don't leave any gifts of their own. In fact, we're going to take some time in our service right now so you can let us know what you might be able to do this Christmas. Scan our connection card QR code or visit the website on the screen to let us know what you might be able to do at any of our services this year. So please grab your phone out right now and fill in a connection card before we move on to the next part of our service today. Christmas stew, that's a hard act to follow. But he is uh, participating in all kinds of things. And uh, during our recent contributing member spots, we did talk about a whole bunch of ways that we can get involved to volunteer and to serve as part of our Christian walk and our church community. And as part of this ongoing series, we shared um, our latest finance report at three quarters of the mark through the, through the year. If you remember, for those that were here, I was uh, up here about four weeks ago. And we focus specifically on the areas of our offertories or our congregational giving. And as you may know, our offertories help the organization in a couple of different ways. It helps with the keeping on of the facilities and the operations here, and it also supports our salaries and our paid staff. And when I shared before, we were challenged that our congregational giving was um, behind by about 6.8% or $76,000. And when we include our operating deficit, we were behind by a total of $96,000. And at the same time all of that was happening, we also launched our mission partner appeal to raise $140,000 in support of our partners both here and around the world. We then discussed how we could all be a part of the solution by doing a few things. One was closing the gap by giving a small one-off donation, which is good and it, it, it supports us in the immediate uh, near term um, but we were also looking for more longer-term solutions, like if you were able to, to increase your existing giving by 5 to 10 percent, or to commence giving if you haven't already started. We did also look to raise funds for our mission partners to help support them for the next 12 months. So I'm here to present what's happened over just the last few weeks alone. Uh, in the short terms, our offertories have totaled about $69,000, which has helped us to close the gap and dropping that from $96,000 down to $27,000. And that's a great result in the, short uh, in the short term. Next, it appears that our, really, our regular giving has gone up by over 10%. That's good news. It's a great result and even more crucial in the long term. And for our, our mission partners, as of late yesterday, we have raised about $90,500. So we're about 65% of the way to that goal as well. So well done to everyone, and thank you for being so generous. 
So where to, where to from here? Well, it's to maintain our new level regular of uh, regular giving, uh, both now for the rest of this year and into 2023. And if you haven't started giving yet, that's okay. There's still time to do so. We, we won't exclude you from doing that. Um, and for our one-off contributing to our mission partners, if you haven't contributed yet, now would be a great time to get in and to help us complete this goal. So finally, on behalf of the wardens, the parish council, and all of the staff, thank you for your participation. As we gather each Sunday to experience God's word, to pray and to worship him, and to continue our St. Matt's community, it is a congregational giving that keeps the lights on and our staff supported as they serve us week in and week out. So as God has blessed us, may we continue to bless others in our continued generosity. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Tim. And uh, we're very grateful for your work and the other wardens and the parish council as well. We're going to take some time to pray now. And uh, as we pray, we'll be praying for Max and Rose boys. I don't know if you caught up with this. Max and Rose have been a part of St. Matthew's for, I think it's 14 years. Uh, 10 of those years, almost 10 of those years, Max had my job before I came here. And uh, they're heading to the Central Coast on Tuesday. And so we'll be praying for them with that, that move. Uh, Max and Rosa are, of course, a much, they've been a much-loved part of St. Matthew's and we'll miss you, but we, we wish you God's blessing in a new stage of your lives. Uh, when you're closer to, to, to family members, um, we do want to be praying for you. So let me uh, lead us in prayer. Lord God, you are faithful and kind. So we thank you for your answer to our prayers for the funding of ministry and mission at St. Matthew's, for recent increases in monthly offertories, for generous giving to mission partners, as well as progress in closing the gap there's been in ongoing uh, finance, uh, financing of our ministry. Uh, Lord, we continue to look to you to provide for the needs of ministry and mission, but we thank you, Lord. And today we also want to pray for our mission partners, Andrew and Michelle Bloomer in Austria. We thank you for them and for their many years of service, seeking to help people find Jesus and turn to him. And we pray with them at the moment as they carry concerns about their umbrella organisation. We pray with them that that organisation will not drift away from faithfully teaching your word, but will remain devoted to you and your ways. And we pray for each member of the, the, the Bloomer family, for Andrew and Michelle and each of their children, that you'll help them keep following you day by day. We ask for a particular event that's coming up soon, an outreach event being run by Michelle at the church, that those who come would be drawn to Jesus and encouraged to follow him. In our wider community, we're aware of large numbers again of people suffering from COVID, especially those experiencing symptoms of long COVID. And Lord, we pray that you generate amongst them a patient trust in you and bring them back to full health soon. We're also mindful of health workers who've worked under great stress over an extended time. And we ask that you'll give them endurance and strength and time to rest and rejuvenate. 
And Lord, we thank you so much for Max and Rose, for the very significant part that they've played in the life of the people of St Matthew's, for the way they've faithfully honoured you in all sorts of ways and been of such benefit to so many people. And we want to pray for them as they move on Tuesday for all that's involved with uprooting from a community they've been such a large part of and finding their way into a new community. We pray particularly for Tuesday that there'll be uh, safety and that everything will go smoothly. And then as they settle, give them calmness and patience in a new community on the Central Coast. And we pray you'll bless them and those around them in the neighbourhood and in the community with really good relationships. Pray as they find their way there on the central coast that you'd show them how best to love and serve you in their new home and area. We pray that they'd be a blessing amongst whom they live and worship. We do thank you for our brother and sister. And Lord, as we hear your word read and preached today, fill our minds with hope and joy. May the demands of your word lead us to its promises. And may we, relying on your promises, find strength and power. And when you speak peace and comfort to us, may we bring comfort to others for their benefit and for your glory. Amen. Would you like to stand as we, we sing, Come Now Long Expected Jesus. <laughs> morning is from Matthew, verse, chapter 6, verses 1 to 18, and that can be found on your pew Bibles on page 970. 
Matthew 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sin. sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Moving on to Matthew 7, verses 7 to 17. Same page, 970. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give, give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what would you what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone putting my clock on so I don't go too long. Not that that would ever happen. <laughs> Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for this wonderful season we're in. It's just great to come close to Christmas and remember what you've done. We thank you also for the incredible generosity of your people and the great result and uh, the increased giving, and I do thank you for that. 
And Lord, we thank you most of all for your word that brings life and light. And as we continue this journey through the Sermon on the Mount and think about what it means to have a genuine spirituality, Lord, Father, be with us and just instruct us and mould us so that we live lives that please you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you were here the last two weeks, you'll know that uh, our preachers, Nathan and Scott, started with their favourite animals. And if you weren't here, I'll just remind you, uh, Scott loves the snowy owl. And I must say, I didn't really know much about them, but I was impressed by them. Uh, A great animal. And one I didn't even know at all existed, uh, the slow loris with the deadly bite. uh, That was brought to us last week. And what a cute animal. And so I thought I'd continue continue the tradition, and I wonder if anyone here has thought they would like to be a peacock. (laughs) And I used to love being at the zoo, seeing the peacocks, and that's a male peacock. Um, Apparently the females are called peafowls. And um, the thing about them, though, is, if you know anything, the incredible display of beauty is all about their mating ritual. And the peacocks go through this to seek out their female partner and it's a competition uh, because typically there's often more males than females and it's about trying to show your wares. You are the man on the place, on the block. And the whole thing that really is, in essence, is look at me. That's what they're saying to the girls, look at me. And apparently it's the eyes, those round things, that is most significant. And if you haven't got many eyes, you haven't got much chance. The trait of wanting to be looked at, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's also very common with us as people. And it was made famous by those well-known ladies from Fountain Lakes in Melbourne. Do you remember those two? Kath and Kim. Look at me. (laughs) That famous saying that they had. And we laugh at Kath and Kim. And if you want to watch it, um, I'll be telling the people at Night Church, they probably missed the beauty and the glory of Kath and Kim. It's actually streaming on Netflix. I got down last night and had a quick look and uh, they haven't changed, let me tell you. And we laugh at it, but we're not much different though as adults, are we? Uh, When you think about what we're like, and I was just thinking about, you know, the trophies we keep on our shelves, the awards that are framed and embossed, the pictures of the great moments. There's something deep down in all of us that says, look at me, notice me. And there's something very human and essential about being noticed and known. All of us want to be known, don't we? No one wants to be not noticed, forgotten, walked past. It's part of the reality of the human condition, to know people and to be known. And with that in mind, we come to this passage, um, which I'm going to focus on uh, the chapter 6 section, where Jesus says at the very beginning, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to open up to chapter 6. We're going to work our way through that and have a look at uh, what Jesus has to say. But there's three things here that I think uh, we need to think about as we go through the passage. The first is the paradox, which is to be seen or not to be seen. Secondly, the call to live for an audience of one. And thirdly, the promise, rewards from heaven. So with that in mind, let's start by thinking about chapter 6, verse 1, not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. 
It's worth noting, it seems to be at complete odds what Jesus has just said in chapter 5, which we looked at a number of weeks ago. And I've got there on the screen Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. And if you remember back, Jesus says, what are we to be? Light, salt. And he finishes by saying, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus tells us we actually need to have a public expression to our faith. We should be shining light through our good works that people see and it brings glory to God. But here in Matthew chapter 6, he appears to say almost the exact opposite. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. For if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. And you think, come on, Jesus, which one do you want? <laughs> do you want us out there being public Christians and letting our light shine, or do you want us just in the closet? Which one is it? Well, this is the apparent paradox of the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> we are to be seen in public, and the Christian faith necessitates us being public with our faith and being in the public arena. But obviously there's another side to our discipleship which is very private. We actually need to have this inner life that is hidden from the world and is lived before an audience of one. And it's interesting, as soon as we start doing things to get noticed and to be commended for it, whether it is giving to the poor, praying or fasting, Jesus says there will be no spiritual benefit for you. So in other words, there is parts of our life that need to be lived in the world deliberately, bringing light and glory to God. But there's another whole side of our life which is actually quite private and is lived before God alone. And if I could put it this way, genuine spirituality will be expressed in a public faith that is fueled by a private devotion. And I've got a saying which I'm going to keep repeating, which is this, secrecy saves sincerity. And if you don't remember anything today, I'm going to repeat it a number of times through the message. That's what I want you to remember. Secrecy will save sincerity in your faith. And you see, this is the paradox. We are to be in the world, but there is to be a secret part of our life which is just to be lived before God. Genuine spirituality is a public faith fueled by private devotion. Let's think about the main passage we're looking at, which is chapter 6, verse 1 to 18, and the call. Jesus expected his disciples to give to the poor, to pray, to fast. It's worth noting that. He doesn't say, if you do these things, but says, when you do them. And what he was correcting here was a common practice of doing these things publicly to parade person's spirituality. The key is doing them in secret. And there's a pattern to what he says. And let me just take you through it. Uh, you'll see this in verse 2, verse 5, and verse 16. In regards to charity, he says, don't do it to impress people. In regards to prayer, he says, don't do it to be seen by people. In regards to fasting, he says, don't do it so it is obvious to people. In other words, there is to be this secrecy about your life, this private devotion 
that fuels your life in the world. And then repeated three times is the encouragement. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. In other words, we call on a God who sees us and calls us to live for him alone. And that's the call to live before an audience of one. And I was thinking about this, what's the underlying problem? Well, I take it it's human pride, along with the reality of personal insecurity that leads us to this place of wanting to be seen. And there's a difference, I think, profoundly between wanting to know and know people and be in relationship with people. That's an essential part of human life that is quite different to be wanting to parade your virtues You see what I'm saying? We do want to be known, and that's the right thing. But what we don't want to be doing is parading our virtues to others. Now, pride in many ways is seen as a positive thing today. And you think about uh, us as Australians, we are proud Aussies, aren't we? We love this country. Uh, You think about sporting pride. Um, I did happen to wear my gold cap around the place. It's actually a Wallabies one, but I thought it's close enough for the Socceroos. Uh, We were all incredibly proud of them, weren't we, in the World Cup? This team ridden off that went to the final 16. Sporting pride, and then there's family pride. I mean, who doesn't love seeing your child or your grandchild up on the stage getting an award? It is award season at schools at the moment. And there's a great pride. And there's nothing wrong with that. We love to see those close to us do well. And it's interesting in the Bible, Paul also talks about boasting in people and in churches for the way that they have honoured God. He is quick to commend those who are faithful servants. He was proud of the Philippian church, but yet pride is also a sin. Psalm 10 speaks of the arrogance of the world. They're quite confronting sound. And verse 4 says this, In his pride, the wicked person does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. In his pride. In this sense of, I am self-sufficient. I have the power. In this sense of, I know all. I have the knowledge. In this sense of virtue, I am good. And the pride that Jesus was addressing in his day was a pride in our religious goodness. And it's so easy to think that we are good people and to parade our virtues, that we are better than others. And there's something that's just so difficult within our hearts that I don't know what you're like uh, in your private... It just just sneaks out, doesn't it? You want to be seen for what you're doing. (laughs) You can't help yourself at times. But just share, I just, by the way, I did this. And that's what Jesus is warning against. Be careful that you do not do your acts of righteousness before men, before women, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Against our natural inclinations toward human pride, we need to live for God. And it needs to be expressed in three different ways based on what Jesus says here. And I think it's interesting, the three areas that he picks out. There is a genuine love for people that we need to embody. 
that leads to compassionate care. There needs to be a genuine trust in God that will lead to devoted prayer. And there needs to be a genuine hunger for God's kingdom that will lead you to fasting. You see, if your greatest object of love and desire is to know God and to live for Him, what that will translate in is wanting to please Him in these profound ways by caring for the people of the world that He's made compassionately, by seeking Him privately in prayer and by fasting and hungering for his kingdom to come. That will all flow out of our passion for God, our love for him, our ascribing him as being above all else. We live for an audience of one, and I want us to think about these three different areas. Uh, Firstly, to care and charity. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's worth noting that in Jesus' day, there was no social security. There was no state aid for low-income families. Very different to our culture here. We are very blessed to be in a system that actually cares for the poor. There were no unemployment benefits, no housing commission housing. If you were poor, you were in trouble. And so the understanding of the day was rightly that you would give to the needs of the poor. In fact, it was obligatory. And often in towns, there would be a weekly collection for the poor. Typically, once you had been living there for a month, the expectation is that you would start contributing. It's interesting with tithing. There was a tithe to look after, if I could say, the spiritual side of the ministry, a tenth, but then they would have other tithes to look after the poor on top. My wife did a um, study of this for a course she's been doing, and she reckoned it was actually 25% at the end of the day were the obligations of giving in the first century. And the key point was this. When you gave, you did it secretly, or you'll be a hypocrite. And the word used here for giving to the poor is a word that means to have mercy or pity or compassion. And I couldn't help but think of, if I can say, the worldly examples of this. Um, You just go to the hospital wards where you see the names of the donors. And let me say, it's a great thing they're giving to it, okay? We want children's wards. It always strikes me fascinating how you've got to have your name up on the wall to announce what you've done and the tiered levels of recognition. Platinum, gold, silver. Jesus says, have none of that. Just have a compassion for people and give to their need. Here at St Matthews, we have what's called the Grace Fund. Uh, When I came, I noted on the balance sheet there was a thing called Care for the Needy Fund. And one of the things that's always struck me is it's never out of money. Now, it runs down and then it gets topped up. And let me say, I have no idea how it happens. I don't ask who puts the money in, but what I do know is the money just keeps coming in almost magically. (laughs) Now, I know it's not magic because I don't believe in magic, but Andrew tells me on one day, oh, we're running down, and then on another day tells me, oh, some more money's come in. 
And this is just a beautiful thing. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Now, it's not just that we have this in a formal sense here as part of our pastoral care ministry, uh, that we're able to care for people in need when there are some financial issues. He said, I see and hear of this happening, often indirectly, of some wonderful things where people are supporting others and caring for others. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about, that we should not let our left hand know what our right hand's doing, but that there should just be this genuine sense of care for the people in our community and those we're connected to. And don't let others know what you're doing, is what Jesus is saying. Just know that God is looking on you and he'll reward you. And you see, it's a beautiful thing when that happens. And, and I don't know what people give. I don't want to know. God knows, and that's enough. Well, that's care and compassion by giving. And as I said earlier, secrecy saves sincerity. The second area is prayer. And he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others, Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they will think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I just want to note two things on that section. Firstly, it's worth saying this is not a teaching to forbid public praying or prayer meetings. I run a prayer meeting Tuesday mornings. If you want to come, you're very welcome. Seven o'clock. If you're wanting to be on the prayer list, I can put you on that. Just let us know through the Connect card. When you read through the book of Acts, you see that there were numerous public prayer meetings. The church community came together to pray and seek God. That's not what's being reflected here. What is being reflected here is that there should be another part of our prayer life, separate to our corporate praying, which we do together, which happens in private. We should have a healthy private life of prayer. And I would add to that a reading of the word. What Jesus is talking about here is having a private devotional life. He's reflecting his own practice that you see in the Gospels, that... He would often start the day by withdrawing to be in secret with the Father and spend that time in prayer before he got on with his day of ministry. And that's the practice that we need to build into our lives, to start our day in prayer, in private, in secret, calling upon our Heavenly Father in prayer. And the thing to be encouraged by is you don't have to pray too long. <laughs> don't babble on. Your Father knows what you need. And then he gives us what we now know is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I take it that this is a model for private devotional praying. I let me say there is nothing wrong with just praying it through word for word. It is a beautiful prayer because it reminds us of so many important facets to pray for. 
But it is worth noting the way the prayer starts, it's a dedication of our life to God's glory. Your kingdom come. Hallowed be your name. And so we're praying that God's name may be glorified through us and in us to the furtherance of the work of the gospel. We're also praying that his kingdom will come through what we do in our lives. And then having focused on God's glory, there is this beautiful sense of, and we depend on you, Lord, for all of our life. Heavenly Father, give us today our daily bread. It's a reference and a phrase that comes from the Proverbs, which talks about that neither poverty nor riches are to be desired, but rather that we might have our daily bread. Proverbs 39 and 10. And what he's saying is, I will look after you, not riches, not wants, but needs. And come to me and ask, and I will supply. And that's the great encouragement from chapter 7 in prayer. Basically, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be opened. And we come to prayer with confidence, knowing that God is hearing and we don't need to babble on in front of others. We do it privately before our Lord on our knees. Who we are before God, I think, is much to do with who we are in secret in prayer before him. And our private prayer life tells us much about our walk with the Lord and the reality of the depth of our spirituality. And I did want to say, if you need help with praying and devotional uh, life, uh, please do contact us as a staff team. We would love to help you. Uh, there's materials, there's books, there's stuff we can get to you that can assist in that endeavour. It's a great thing. But as I said before, secrecy saves sincerity, and what it will do is actually develop spirituality. The more in private you pray, the more you will grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. Thirdly, fasting. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. And it will not be obvious to people that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you fast... Again, the expectation is, what, we will care for people, <laughs> we'll give to those in need. The expectation is we will pray privately, but it's also that we will fast. Now, I speak typically on this topic at the start of the year because if you're new to St Matthews, we have a week of prayer and fasting that we start the ministry year with at the beginning of February, roughly speaking. It sometimes has a few days in January at the end. And for me, it's a very important thing. We've been doing it since 2009 here every year. And I remember when I first introduced it, there were kind of puzzled looks on people's faces. And it was this look of, is he really serious? Not eat for a week? <laughs> and I just smiled and it was just, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, fasting, I think, is all about giving up a good thing. And anyone who knows me knows I love cooking, I love food, love having people over to eat. Food is a good thing, it's a great gift from God, but we give up the good thing to seek the greater thing, which is God. And I think you need to see this call to fasting in relationship to prayer 
And it's interesting that it's straight after that because fasting is never without prayer. You can pray by yourself, but fasting always accompanies prayer. And think of that call for God to be hallowed, for his kingdom to come. And when you next hear of fasting in the gospel, it's in a reflection on, well, now I'm here, the disciples don't need to fast, but they will after I've left. And I take it it's because we fast, we hunger, we desire, we pray for God's kingdom to come and the Lord Jesus to return. And that is our passion. We withdraw from eating and turn our passion and desire to God alone and to depend on him fully. I'd encourage you not just to fast when we do it as a church, but also in times of special need to do it secretly. To seek God in prayer and fasting when you're in great need. And the promise here is again, God who is in heaven will reward you. And I've seen that happen on numbers of occasions. As people have sought the Lord in prayer and fasting. And God has answered those prayers. You see, the the significant thing for me with the week of prayer and fasting is this. Every year I know we're going to have uh, face challenges as a church. I just don't know what they are. But I can guarantee you they'll come. And every year will be different in terms of the challenges before us. And so as we start the year, I want to make sure that we have dedicated it totally to the Lord. And the incredible thing is this. God is always at work and he's always gotten us through. Every year. He got us through a long and challenging building program. He got us through the worst of the pandemic. I mean, seriously, when that first hit, I thought, what on earth is going to happen? He is getting us through the financial challenges that we've currently faced. And how good was it to see the good news on the screen about the way the gap has closed significantly, the way giving has increased? It's wonderful. People are still joining. People are still coming to faith. God is still at work in spite of the troubles that we've been through. And that's why at the start of every year, we seek God by not just praying, but hungering for his kingdom to come. And I'd encourage you in your own life, when there are times of significant moments or need, to maybe fast once a week on a certain day. And to give that day to the Lord and seek him in prayer and fasting. And to do that for a season. Or maybe have a week to seek the Lord about a certain thing. We are to live for God's kingdom. We are to do good works. We are to care for the poor and needy. We are to spend time praying. And it must be, on occasion, accompanied by hungering and fasting for God's kingdom to come. But here's the thing. Just don't announce it. Don't brag about it. Don't show people what you're doing. Just get on and do it. And God who is at work will be at work in you. Secrecy saves sincerity. We are to live for an audience at one. And I want to finish with the repeated promise of Jesus 
that's in this passage in chapter 6. Three times he says, he will reward you. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We don't just live this way because it's the right way to live. And it is the right way. We live it knowing that Jesus has promised three times that this is the blessed way to live. And that we will be be rewarded. And the interesting thing is, I don't think he's speaking totally about future rewards in heaven. It is rewards now as well as then in the sense of, I think, God's blessing in our life. Our God is holy. He is above us. And what he delights in most is having servants who will live totally for him and his glory. And who don't live for the world, but live for his glory. And he says three times here the promise, I will reward you if you live for me. There's no reward if you want the applause of the world. No, you've already got it. But if you want God's reward, God's blessing on your life, live for him. Let me finish with an important question. How do you grow to maturity as a Christian? How do you add depth to your spirituality? Well, I'd simply say practice what Jesus says here and live for an audience of one. And here's the thing, as you give to someone, you can just look up and say, I'm doing this to honour you, Lord, because I want you glorified. Every morning as you get up and pray, you can just say, Lord, I am yours. May your name be glorified through me this day. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Lord, give to me this day my daily bread, my daily needs. Help me to be in right relationship. If I've blown it, help me to rectify it. May I forgive those who've blown it with me and keep me from evil because I want to live for you. And then get on with your day. Don't blow your trumpet. Don't show your wares. Don't do that. Just live for God in the world and you will bring him great glory. Because you know what? If you live that way, your light will actually be shining without you even knowing it. Secrecy saves sincerity as we live for the audience of one. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. We thank you for all your blessings. But Lord, help us to know that we live for you alone. To not blow our trumpet, to not be seen by others, to not be heard by others, but to be heard by you and to be seen by you and to live for you. And may you reward us and bless us as we seek you. And may we know your blessing on our lives. And may there be a secret sincerity about us as we walk before you, Lord. In Jesus' name. We're going to stand and we're going to sing.
Just as we get uh, ready to share in the Lord's Supper, uh, if you don't have one of these little communion packs, you might like to raise your hand, and Ken's got plenty of them in a tray there. Anyone still needing one? Is there someone over here? Was there? I can't see anyone. Oh, okay, yes. (laughs) Just in here. Great. And while that's happening, it would be good to take the little bit of plastic and foil off the top. 
So what we're doing now is uh, engaging in a, a simple ceremonial meal uh, that recalls the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples in which he used the elements of the meal, which was a traditional meal, uh, the Passover meal, um, to point forward to what was about to take place as he went to the cross. Uh, the Passover meal was a meal of looking back to a wonderful victory that God had won for his people, bringing them out of slavery into freedom and into the promised land. Um, but as Jesus gathered with them on the eve of his crucifixion, he pointed forward to the wonderful delivery that he would win for them and for us uh, that would come about at great cost to himself. So here's how the scriptures describe what took place. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the meal, Jesus took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So it was an extraordinary moment in history that he was preparing them uh, for and that we look back on in great gratitude for all that Jesus has done for us. And it's right that as we prepare to share in this little meal that we take a, a moment for self-examination, especially having heard the Lord Jesus speak in such a, a, a piercing way this morning in the Sermon on the Mount about our propensity to do good things in order to be seen by others and to fail to do the much better thing, to be willing to do whatever just in order to please God, to be quite willing to do it unseen by others. Really profound teaching of Jesus. I certainly found myself exposed in terms of my own motivation. So let's just take a moment for self-examination and then we'll pray a prayer of confession together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love, but we have often gone our own way and rejected your will for our lives. We are sorry for our sins and turn away from them. For the sake of your Son who died for us, forgive us, cleanse us and change us. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to live for you and to please you in every way. For the glory of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You heard that wonderful reassurance that we are forgiven in Christ, both from the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and from what he said to his disciples about this covenant which would bring about the forgiveness of sins for many. I'll lead us in further prayer and then we'll share in the bread and the cup. We thank you, our Father, that in your love and mercy you gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our salvation. 
By this offering of himself, once and for all, Jesus made a full, perfect and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Hear us, merciful Father, and grant that we who receive these gifts of your creation, this bread and this wine, according to our Saviour's command, in remembrance of his suffering and death, may spiritually be partakers of his body and his blood. So let's take the bread now, and as we eat, let's remember that Christ died for us and feed on him in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And in a similar way, as we drink from the cup, let's remember that Christ's blood was shed for us and be thankful. And as we give thanks, let's commit ourselves this week and every week to faithfully following the Lord Jesus, dedicated to him and him alone. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life we who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us in this hope that we have grasped so we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name. Amen. Amen. Well, in a moment, I'm going to invite you to join me in saying the grace uh, together entrusting one another to God's care. But firstly, let me invite you across to morning tea, which was served on the other side of the courtyard in the function room. Uh, if you're new with us, we'd love to have you join us there. Uh, let me also remind you, we want everyone to, in Manly to know that they're welcome to join us at Christmas time. So if you're able, take one of these big um, yellow envelopes with you later and um, deliver those to our neighbours here. But um, as, we, as, as we leave, let's, um, let's remember what we've heard from the Lord Jesus today about genuine spirituality, which, which will have a public face, but which will be fueled by private devotion. And the way to do that is to make sure we safeguard our sincerity through secrecy. It's that private devotion which drives spirituality which really does bring glory to God and which enables us to shine as he calls us to do in the way that we live, in the care that we offer to others and in the, the humility which we come before him with as we pray to that audience of one. So shall we entrust one another to God's care in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.
Morning. 